Hello, I'm Hannah Jenna. And I'm Rachel Johnson, and welcome to Before and After, a body image podcast. We are here to discuss our ideas, perceptions, and beliefs about how we look and how we see others. We'll be looking at research and trends in the world of fitness and nutrition, as well as looking at our own biases related to body image and busting some persistent myths that abound in advertising and on social media. We hope to reach and captivate audiences of all ages and gender. So please help us out by subscribing and sharing. And if you like what you hear, we would very much appreciate you leaving us a review. Happy listening. Hello, everybody. It is time for another episode. And um, we are going to sort of somewhat piggyback on last episode's theme, I would say, not topic. Like our topic was overtraining and how you recognize that. But like that kind of theme of how do you know when you're potentially going down a path that may not be optimal for like health and wellness, both physically and mentally. Um, So... That's today's. But before we get into that, I do want to give both of us a little shout out for <laughs> recent accomplishments in the gym. You all know we work our little asses off um, and try and put ourselves in the best shape to be able to achieve amazing things. And Rachel got her first ring muscle up and I got my first bar muscle up after many years of work. And for those of you who have no clue what any of that means, <laughs> it's it's amazing it's a, it's a gym deal. nasty things and it's, a very big deal. They're big deals. <laughs> and um, I had promised myself, um, sorry, mom and dad, if you're listening, I had promised myself, I've, I've been thinking about getting another tattoo and I had wanted to get the phrase, find out what happens when you don't give up. Oh, but I was like, yeah. I'm not going to get that until I achieve this damn muscle up. <laughs> I was I, I was hoping you were gonna get like a little picture of a stick figure doing a muscle up or no, something. No. <laughs> <laughs> so I now have uh, free reign to go and get myself some new ink. Wow. Um, even if I'm a one hit wonder, it's the only one I ever do in my life. I still made it happen. I mean, finally. yeah. Yesterday we were just you know joking about like whether or not we'd buy ourselves a new pair of like workout shorts to celebrate, but a tattoo that is perpetual celebration. I like mm-hmm. that. Yes. So, and it, you know, though, I like those, I like that phrase that it kind of reminds me that, you know, things are always, there's always going to be things in life that are challenging and hard and maybe that other people find easy and get easily or easier than I do. Um, But if I keep just chipping away at it and that doesn't mean constantly work, Lord knows I have just straight up stopped working towards that goal for a while. Um, Because I always believe in like never never giving up on something but knowing when to quit and like quit Mm. being like a temporary state when you just realize you're just like driving yourself into a hole and it's not working and it's time to just go okay we need to just take a break um and for me this has been years and years and years in the making and finally the magic happened so that was cool um it also goes to prove that um despite many years of thinking that once you kind of get past the age of 40, you're sort of on the decline. And we've definitely talked about this before, that since I've turned 40, I have only gotten stronger, fitter, faster, and more skilled. I don't know if I'm faster, <laughs> but I absolutely feel the same. I, I think it's, uh, this is one of those things where like, 
I'm sure you tell your clients this, right? Coaches always talk about non-scale victories and mm-hmm. SBs, right? Like this is something that is absolutely all about like what we're able to do. And it does feel like a big victory. And I do always love the like, that's a good, I feel like that's a really inspirational tattoo line. It made me think of the, uh, the Winston Churchill quote that everybody, like the never, 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 never give up one, mm-hmm. which actually is is so often it's not misquoted but it's like shortened Mm -hmm. because what he actually says is like never 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 give up except to convictions of honor and good sense (laughs) (laughs) which i always love the full quote because i'm like oh yeah like sometimes there are certain things you want to give up or just like call it quits for the right reasons and i think about like yeah our topic last time when we talked about recognizing patterns and and taking rest days not that rest days are giving up but it is like recognizing like time to stop this maybe and well even uh, if you have to take periods like time out like i've worked through injuries like i pretty mm -hmm. much had to wait until i had an injection in my shoulder before i could even move in any way that would get me close to achieving this goal but you know those times out it doesn't equal that you've given up right that goal is still there the work will recommence at an appropriate time yeah um the sense part yeah i think like the whole achieving these goals and like continuing to be able to get better even while I'm still aging and like getting into that age where like hormone levels start doing weird things and change up which makes it harder to maintain muscle mass or gain muscle Mm -hmm. mass and recover and and all the rest of it um it's possible I'm not gonna say it's only possible but it's largely possible because of the way I eat and the way I prioritize yeah. sleep and the fact that I drink X amount of water every day yeah. and that I try and keep a good eye on stress levels and that I'm yeah. really paying attention to all of those things. Because if I ate like shit and I got drunk every night and I slept for four hours, like I, that for sure shit, I would not be <laughs> in a position where I could say yeah. that I was getting better. So as much as like if you told me when I was 20, like that I would live how I live now and I would have been like, oh, that's so boring. Like, why would so you boring. do that? I want to go out and get drunk and smoke cigarettes all night. I'm glad that I found this lifestyle and that it doesn't like because I've created a life, a lifestyle, like yeah. nothing that I do feels like taxing yeah. to do it. You know, it's like not it's not a like a hard work kind of thing to do to eat well and to cut off like watching a movie or going out socializing to go to bed yeah because that feeling that you get or that I got as I'm sure you did of achieving an athletic goal into my 40s it's phenomenal yeah, it, it's pretty unbelievable. Like, I mean, and I feel like it's time to remind everyone again, like, we genuinely do love broccoli as much as we, we talk about it. Like, it, it's, it's true. <laughs> it's not a burden to eat that broccoli every day. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, it's, it is, you know, the CrossFit Games just ended um, a couple weeks ago now. And um, the, ma- you know, the, the master's level athletes are still some of my favorite to watch. Um, when they do get coverage, <laughs> that's mm-hmm. not always the case. You can't always find their events online, but like, it really is amazing that like, you know, these are people that I am so inspired by in a very different way than I'm inspired by like 
the young the young ones, right? Like the, there was a 19 year old on the podium this year, um, and she's amazing. I love watching her, but like it's a different kind of inspiration when I watch her than when I watch Susan Clark, who's also a badass Canadian athlete, but she's 60. And she is doing all of these things, right? Like I think of like, I got the muscle up. It feels amazing. I still don't have butterfly pull-ups. And like watching the games, I was watching this woman who presumably didn't even learn butterfly pull-ups until she was in her 50s mm-hmm. um, and is like gained those skills of CrossFit and has won every single games that she has ever entered. When you see a 60 plus person do like legless rope climbs... Like, that's freaking cool. It's so cool. Like, a 21-year-old athlete, I expect to be able to do stuff like that. I still want to watch him do it. It is so cool. But it is a very different kind of cool than watching, yeah, so, uh, someone who is 60 or 60-plus, 60 like, doing skills like that, that we know how hard we have to work for it at mm-hmm. in our 40s. Um, yeah, it's amazing. Non-scale victories definitely feel extra special, like, the older I get. Yeah. For sure. And in those moments when you achieve those crazy things, like all the stuff that you may have worried about, like what you weighed that morning, doesn't matter, you know, like that, what the hell? Or, you know, the the picture that you looked at where you counted the chins and you were like, oh my God, I need to go into hiding. Like when you actually have a success from something that you worked hard towards, but particularly like for us, like athletic success, like all those other silly things that we get so hung up on, and lose ourselves to it's so insignificant yeah and there is definitely i mean going into you know a, a feat like something you're you're you've been working towards that you want to try i definitely feel like with this past experience with the muscle up like going into it ignorant was very helpful and ignorant to how much i weighed that day right cuz like that's been one of my struggles is equating my gymnastics ability with my body weight right like not necessarily my strength to weight ratio which is what it should be based on right like I tell people all the time at the gym like they say I'm I I weigh too much to do gymnastics I was like no you're just not yet strong enough to do whatever gymnastics move it is you're talking about like you can build strength regardless of body weight but I still fall victim to that for sure so I do not believe I weighed myself Friday morning um and I'm probably really glad I didn't, right? I went in with ignorance to how much my body weighed, which means I couldn't focus on it. It's like when people accidentally load the bar with the wrong plates Mm -hmm. and then they PR because they thought it was lighter. (laughs) Um, So I think, you know, that plays a role. Um, Interesting. I've noticed that like most of the time I don't really think about how much I weigh because it's always in a three pound sort of range. But I've noticed recently whenever I'm like lifting that I start thinking about how much is on the bar relative to my body Your weight. Your body weight. And then yeah. I like feel like a total shrimp and I'm like, really? Because I would think that would be a good thing. Because like at a lower body weight, you're lifting higher than, right? Like, I mean, like, yes. But then I start thinking about like, man, if, if I was just like one of those people that had, if I had 10 pounds if more I had 10 muscle, more pounds of muscle, what yeah. could I do? <laughs> if I had like, because we're talking about sort of the average weight of like a female professional crossfit athlete right and i would say i'm probably like 15 pounds under the average um ish in that ballpark um maybe 20 pounds but if i was to have like that in muscle mass right yeah because that's not about what would that's not about body weight necessarily that's about like your muscle mass too but yeah 
I mean, but I cannot imagine the process of trying to gain that much muscle mass. That would be some serious eating. <laughs> yeah. But it is, I mean, yeah, it's definitely, that's true. Your body weight is so consistent relatively like that, that, and you, do you, I mean, do you weigh yourself regularly anymore? Not really. Um, so I weighed myself for a couple of weeks consistently when I got back and I first like started to track my macros for a little bit. Um, and got back from England and I think I, I weighed in at 138.8, which is Ooh, up there. Point eight. You're me. like, I'm almost at 139. <laughs> and, um, I didn't weigh myself last week. I'm not sure why. I just kind of got out of the yeah. habit of doing it and I'll, I'll get back on again this week just out of curiosity. But after like a couple of weeks of being back from England and back in the gym and tracking food, I was, I weighed 135.4 was the last time. So back to being a, a little shrimp. A little shrimp <laughs> well, with your baby legs, but... Um, little shrimp. Um, but you're still lifting pretty darn heavy for a little baby shrimp. <laughs> for some reason, I have, like, the image of, like, the Forrest Gump, like, know, shrimp with, like, sh- with guns. Baby shrimp with, with big guns. There you go. <laughs> Maybe I should get someone to... If anybody out there is, like, a cartoonist, oh my I gosh. want you to design little me, like, baby a shrimp, shrimp with shoulders. <laughs> They do have tiny little legs, but yeah, you can there have you go. Big, I feel big, like I could be the shrimp. You need to be like a, a lobster, you know, little baby legs down below, but like a big front claw. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. I, I could be a lobster. Okay. So um, with that little intro aside, um, talking about, obviously we've done lots of episodes talking about sort of different eating disorders and body image things, but how do you know when you're descending into that kind of mindset, behavior, way of life. I mean, it's a hard thing to catch. Like, I know from my experience with an eating disorder, I never, I didn't decide one day, oh, I think I'm going to become anorexic today. Let's get to work. Like, it was something like a certain set of behaviors began. And then at some point, like that whole life took over. Um, so I'm going to read you some stuff. If you guys want to check out this website, it's called breakbingeating.com. And they ask the question, what is body image? And the answer is body image refers to how we think about, feel and act towards our body. It is a multifaceted construct, meaning it consists of many different perceptual, attitudinal and behavioral components. Negative body image can cause so many negative outcomes like depressive and anxiety symptomology, increased risk of suicidal thoughts, low self-esteem, interpersonal problems, alcohol and drug abuse, use and abuse, reduced physical activity, loss of sex drive, stress, social isolation, decreased motivation to seek help, perfectionist tendencies, repetitive negative thoughts. And if I asked 20 people that I know if they've ever experienced any of that, I bet you every single one of them, if they were honest, has at least one or two yeah. on that list. I sure yeah, that's a pretty say, all-encompassing list there of negative things. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot. But, you know, it's it's kind of alarming to think about how many of us, if we're truly honest, have experienced any of that. And then it goes on to say key terms. There are so many different elements of body image. We need to clarify what each of these components means before jumping straight into statistics related to these components. And we will speak to some of the statistics in here. But as I said, 
breakingbingeating.com. You guys can go on there and read more if you wish. But these are kind of a key list of key terms. And um, I figured like Rachel and I can kind of go back and forth with each one and talk to our own experiences of it so that if you're listening, then, you know, feel free to pause after each one and think about it. Like, what is my experience with these things? So first one, body dissatisfaction, which is a general unhappiness with your body or its parts. Yeah, I like that or its parts, because I feel like you and I have had conversations where we've uh, talked about the parts of our body that we don't love. Mm -hmm. Right. That has been uh, whether it's your fear of saggy knees um, the we we talk about the 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 waving wing, you know, like oh, the bingo tricep, wings. bingo wings, bingo that's wings. it, right? Like, and where our bodies hold fat, that's pretty common, right? I mean, yeah. a general unhappiness with your body or its parts. And I definitely think that almost everybody I know, without exception, would ha- has experienced body or is experiencing yeah. body dissatisfaction. And honestly, with you know all the kind of social media images and expectations and just we've talked in the past about you know through the decades the different Mm -hmm. expectations particularly on females of like not just fashion but like actual body types that it's almost impossible to not yeah feel like i do you do you believe anybody who says i am completely 100 percent happy with my body i mean I'm sure those people exist out there. I, I think anyone I've ever talked to about bodies, I've, I've not come across one. Like, and I'm actually thinking back to our old podcast, whereas we just listed off a bunch of things that we've talked about in the past that we don't like about our bodies. But I think we did also challenge ourselves, maybe in, in one of those episodes, I think we asked ourselves, what are our favorite parts of our body? And I can't remember what we said. I remember the negative things we right? said. <laughs> and then sometimes I think, you know, People, people like Lizzo who are kind of meant to be shining lights for body positivity. Sometimes I feel like when people are shouting that message that loud and so often, it doesn't feel like it's, it's almost like they're trying to convince themselves mm-hmm. somehow. Can, can we have Lizzo on as a guest to sure. to ask her about that? Come on over, Lizzo. We'll tag you. <laughs> Come talk to us, Lizzo. Tell us the truth. Listen to the episode where I used you as the example of how I changed my implicit bias. There you go. <laughs> All right. Next up. You want me to read the next yeah, one? Go for okay. It. So overvaluation of weight or shape. So this is basing who you are as a person almost entirely on what you look like or what the number on the scale tells you. Um, Guilty. Yeah. That's an interesting one because I, I when I first read that I was like overvaluation of weight and shape meaning like if you asked me to guess how much I weigh I would guess higher, but this is actually assigning more value to the number that the scale is telling you or to like yeah overvaluation I mean, for sure I've been through phases where you know you get up in the morning you, you go to the bathroom and then you get on the scale and like whatever that number is dictated my self worth. Yeah. For the day. So that was like, that was the most valuable piece of information you could get in a day to affect. Wow. That is a big over, that is a lot of value, right? Assigned to that knowledge. And, you know, obviously from eating disorder days, the lighter that is, the better the day, the more it is, like the more punishment you give yourself. And I hadn't really kind of put too much thought in it until I had a nutrition coach for the first time. And I first ever like started to count macros and, you know, 
the recommendation was to like weigh myself every morning. And so I was like, okay, cool. And I had no idea because I, I literally don't know if between like having an eating disorder and then however many years later, starting with a nutrition coach, if I had actually weighed myself maybe once or twice in like 15, 20 years, but certainly not consistently. And, and you know, they asked me if I was cool with weighing myself. I was like, yeah, yeah, whatever. Um, didn't really think about it. And then when I started to weigh myself very quickly, I noticed that like, once again, that number controlled my day. Yep. And if it had been ticking down and then like jumped up, even like an irrational jump, which is not at all possible yeah. that I could have actually gained that in fat. Right. You had a lot of salt or you had, you know, drinking. That whatever, number like, yeah. completely made or broke my day. Yeah. Now I'm pleased to report that it just makes me smile either way. It's yeah. Like, oh, look at that. <laughs> Apparently I gained three pounds overnight. That's cool. I mean, it is interesting. I feel also over the years I have gotten better at like not assigning too much value because it's true, right? Like I've, when you see what happens when you eat a certain kind of weigh on one day or maybe you drink some alcohol and the way it affects the next couple days of weighing in it's good to have that information but I also think about when we talked about wearables and like sleep and we talked about like aura rings and apple watches and stuff like that we also talked about how those numbers right I'd wake up and be like I slept great and then my ring would give me like an 81 sleep score and be like ugh B minus, like, I guess I didn't sleep great. And that would actually change my behavior. I wouldn't go to the gym. I'd be like, well, I'm not recovered, so I probably shouldn't go work out. So that's like valuing any kind of metric too much um, is definitely interesting the way it makes it kind of change the perception of the whole day. Mm -hmm. uh, next on the list, body preoccupation. Obsessively thinking or ruminating about what your body weighs or what it looks like kind of answered that in the previous one like yeah yes and I think for me a lot of that depends on like what I'm wearing too like if I'm wearing something that I'm very comfortable in yeah I don't really think about it too much if I'm wearing something that's like I feel like if I ever have to dress up and dress like more kind of girly it, I'm just like a mess because I'm constantly thinking, thinking about, about like oh god what do I look like how am I carrying myself I feel ridiculous everyone can see that I look ridiculous when I first like wear shorts at the gym and because I like hate the backs of my thighs I'm always like uh I feel super awkward super awkward now that I've been wearing shorts for a few weeks I'm like well what the hell whatever I don't care yeah I, I don't have to look at the back of me and if other people <laughs> and are, other people are looking at it and actually probably don't care probably like yeah. be yeah. Paying more attention to what they're doing. Yeah, it is. It's interesting because like, I mean, I, I read that and I'm like, oh, like body checking. That's literally. That's the what next my, one. That's oh, the next Oh, sorry. One. Body preoccupation. Sorry. Um, yeah. The uh, thinking about or ruminating about. So it is weird to me that like, I feel like sometimes I will. I mean, I'll lie I don't know, lie awake at night makes it sound really dramatic, but it is true. Like I watched that video of me doing the muscle up, like Hannah and I have joked about this. We've both watched our videos like a hundred times <laughs> of us doing these things. But like when I watch it, I absolutely look at like every part of my body and I'm like, ooh, does my, 
my quad look good in that? Like, oh, like what? I mean, it's it's weird that I'm like preoccupied, not just with what the video is showing me do, but because it's a video, I am preoccupied with like what my whole body looks like doing that. And what's funny is like we're probably we're looking at these things, trying to find the bad. And I would, you know, fairly fairly safe bet here that other people are looking at it, and seeing, for the most part, hopefully like good things to say about our bodies. Probably, I mean, I. I would hope so. <laughs> I feel like it's Don't like, tell me if you think right, bad like, things. I mean, I but, but you're right. I mean, we are always our own worst critics. Like, I would think people would be looking at these videos and being like, that is an amazing thing those women are doing. Um, and like you said, it's like people looking at the backs of your legs. If they're looking at those videos being like, ugh, they don't look very good doing it. Then, then you're not yeah, my friend. Not cool. All right. <laughs> you can go with body checking. Okay. Body checking. So... Body checking is repeatedly check checking your weight and shape through behaviors like self-weighing, staring in the mirror, uh, comparing yourself with others, or pinching your body parts to assess for fat and muscle. So I notice I do something that I learned from my mom. And I was I think it was something on Instagram recently about someone posted something about how you're, you know, if you've got anybody like, you know, if you've got a kid mm-hmm. or if you're in a position like in the gym and you're the coach and you start kind of pulling your thighs here or there, if I just got rid of that bit, then I would look better in these shorts. So like oh. my mom used to stand in front of the mirror constantly and just like, like slap herself on the hips and just be like, ah, really I hate this. And I learned and you that. See I do now, that as a kid. You would like to watch this her. day stand in front of the mirror Almost every day because I'm wearing shorts right now to like yeah. pretty much every day. And like literally pull on the back of my thighs to make my hips disappear. And I'm like, oh, wow, that would look better. And then I'm like, what are you doing? What are you doing? <laughs> but so, it's like a learned behavior. I mean, that is interesting, right? Like, yeah, because you have a memory of mm-hmm. seeing someone that obviously you looked up to. as like, this And is my your, mom hating on a part of her body. Wow. I cannot shake that hatred for my own part of my body. To this day. So the this, I mean, I definitely feel very, very called out by this particular definition <laughs> because, so I do that with like the fat around my like love handles and my middle. Like I, I absolutely like, I, I will look in the mirror sometimes and just like pinch it, mm-hmm. um, which is funny because I have horrible memories of those pincher, pincers that they used back in like middle school when you had to do the presidential fitness test and they would pinch the 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 bingo wing <laughs> um to actually show like what i don't know that's actually apparently a decent way of it is uh, assessing body fat not a bad um, way it's it, it is painful kind of like... and it's embarrassing to have that done in front of a whole physical education class of like seven-year-olds but like yeah, that's um, pretty brutal yeah but like i mean it's funny as much as i hated that i will do that to it's my waist that's where i've like when I put on weight, that's where it seems to go. And, and I wonder, I'm like, I'll, I probably do have some memories of maybe my mom doing something similar or like, uh, yeah, it's really hard around the middle is maybe where I, where she also like thinks about it. I mean, this is not going to happen, but if I suddenly had a kid 
I would have to retrain so much of the things that I say yeah. so that I didn't instill the same thought patterns into the kit. Whether I mean, if it, probably more likely if it was mm-hmm. female rather than male, but it's because of where your body fat's going to go. But because I do these things almost daily, it's like, oh, wow. And I, I actually, this was nothing to do necessarily with like body fat, but like when we did the strongman clinic, mm-hmm at the gym and so you know people came up we, we were trying these different strongman things and at one point I was stood next to a, a mutual friend of ours and and it, it, it the language I used was wrong but I just like referred to myself as kind of being weak and shit at this stuff and I didn't mean it in a kind of like yes I'm a weak person because I'm not but what I meant to say was just like I'm not I don't have the body type to be really great at strongman right. You're not stuff. naturally gifted it's at not, powerlifting. Yeah, it's or not that kind where of, my yeah. strength as an athlete lies. Yeah. It's not that I can't still lift a decent amount for like who I am and yeah. you know what my body is designed for. But the way I said it, and, and this mutual friend sort of wheeled around and like, well, what are you trying to say? Because if you're not strong, how do you think that makes some of us feel? And I was like, oh, man, I did it again. I know. It's tough when you're in the eye of, like, other people, right? The same way you would look at your mom and you learn that behavior, like, we're coaches. And so people pay attention to the way we say things. And and... I kind of kicked myself. And then I was like, you know what? I am also human. Yeah. And I'm going to have those human moments. And I'm not always going to have, like, coach's hat on. And I'm not always going to be, like thinking really hard about everything that comes out of my mouth and and like I, I think I tried to like reframe what I said in the moment and like yeah no 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 I'm not saying that I'm weak I'm just meant to say that I'm not just I'm just not designed to be to excel at this particular yes. yeah. thing. I do think yes some body types are naturally inclined to certain kinds of sports or endeavors but you know this one is inter- the, the body checking one what I was starting to say earlier is like This is a fascinating one because when you work with a coach on nutrition, um, a lot of this is is stuff you're encouraged to do, right? I mean, I have I'm supposed to do regular weigh-ins so that I can have a weekly average. I'm not necessarily supposed to stare at myself in the mirror, but I am asked to take progress photos. and I guess comparing yourself with others, it's usually with the progress stories, you're comparing yourself to like other versions of yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, so it is interesting, right, to think about these being potentially very harmful, negative things, but we do them, right? I mean, I mean you, you a, ask your clients to do some of these behaviors, It's a difficult right? thing because in order to see, and, you know, I'm sure you can speak to this firsthand, in order to see, like sometimes when you're in that sort of process of change, and like lasting change is typically slow to happen that you don't go to bed one day looking a certain way and wake up the next day looking entirely different. Like it doesn't happen like that. Um, It happens over a period of time. So you're not necessarily going to see the change unfolding. Yeah. And the scale weight, for example, if that's something you've been tracking can stay static despite the fact that quite significant change could have taken place in terms of body composition. Um, So on the one hand, having metrics like photos and measurements and weights can be really useful to be like, well, look, look at this picture. And when you have them combined too, then you've got all sorts of 
we could be like, look, look at this picture and look at this weight. And we can see that the, you know, the weight means that we've got muscle mass gain, which is a good thing. And muscle mass is more metabolically active and blah, blah, blah. But what I always try and do with my clients that depending on their goal, it kind of depends what I'm going to ask them to do. And I always want to like ask them, you know, I stress the importance of tracking something because if you're tracking nothing at all, how do we know it works? We need data, some kind of data point. If I'm telling you that the feedback I'm getting makes it sound like it's working and you're like, no, 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 it's not working. then we're kind of at a sticking point. But if yeah. you, tr- you know, it's important to track something. But if your goal, you know, obviously if your goal is something like I need to weigh this by this time because I'm competing in something, well, okay, yeah, it's really important that yeah. we start weighing regularly. If the goal is much more loose than that and more connected with just like having more energy and being in better health and the thought of, weighing yourself or getting your bingo wings pinced or you know <laughs> taking a picture of yourself in a kind of semi-naked state yeah. then if that's traumatic then maybe that's something we get to but there's other things that we can track to begin with while you're kind of onboarding this process and getting comfortable but I certainly would never be like you have to weigh yourself and you have to take pictures yeah because yeah. If the person's just not there, then that's going to be a huge backward step and it's going to be like a barrier and a lack of trust straight out of the gate. And, you know, sometimes people just need to work up to that. For some people, they don't need it at all. But it is a weird thing. It's like if the coach is asking for these things, it's with good intention and for good reasons. But it is also yeah, could in the same way that for some people, like counting macros can be a disastrous thing to do. Um it's, you know, I always try and for, for people that I work with who do weigh themselves, who do take pictures or measurements, I really pay close attention to how that makes them feel. Yeah. And if there's any kind of like negative feedback or I see any kind of like dif- awkward behaviors or difficult responses, we'll just stop it and we'll go track something else. Yeah. So next one on the list, body image avoidance. Avoiding situations that can elicit concerns about your body, like a refusal to be weighed, wearing baggy clothes as a disguise, or the covering up of mirrors. This is why I'm very glad that in the world of CrossFit, although our last gym did have mirrors, most CrossFit gyms do not have mirrors. So it takes away that need to like pose or yeah. look good or get just, distracted in the middle of an yeah. amazing athletic effort even just like noticing yourself when you should be focusing on what you're doing and like <laughs> and yeah. i think you know in terms of the mirrors thing we can i think we can probably all attest to the fact that you know if you the days when we used to shop in stores and not online and there would be stores where you would buy things because the mirror was good and the lighting was good. And you'd be like, oh, yeah. And then you'd feel good about yourself. You'd go into another store, different mirror, different lighting, and you'd feel like you doubled in size. And it would ruin the day. Anthropology has excellent mirrors (laughs) in their dressing rooms. Like, to this day, I know when I go into anthropology on State Street downtown, I'm going to, like, like the way I look in those mirrors. Mm -hmm. Yep. It's – that is real – Although this, you know, this, this one, I, I kind of resonate with 
thinking about being a kid. Um, I feel like I probably told you the story before. I can't remember if I talked about it on the podcast, but I used to have my dad, who is a doctor, write me notes to get me out of certain things in PE class because um, of the way I felt about my body. Like some of it was related to um, maybe like feeling like I I don't remember if it was specifically because I thought I was fat or something, but it was definitely related to like when I got boobs Mm-hmm. And I, but I wasn't yet wearing a bra and I like didn't want to be, I didn't want my body to be like at all seen by anyone around me. And so I literally would like, it was someday, I swear it was like, they would check you for scoliosis. Did they do this in UK schools? Like the, the, the school nurse or like a doctor would come in and you had to like lean forward and they would check the curvature of your spine, but you had to lift your shirt up mm-hmm. and it was stuff like that. I would have my dad write me a note saying what like I've already checked Rachel for scoliosis so she doesn't have to do this but it was stuff like that I would try to get out of anything in like my probably this is like age like 10 to 15 year old years um so that I wouldn't have to ever take my shirt off or be in like a locker room situation like that I actually just remembered um gym class like sports was not a priority in my school getting a grades was a priority and sports yeah. was a minor distraction that they only did because they had to but I do remember around probably the ages of like I guess we were 11 to 13 ish so right around that time where like some girls are still little kids and some girls are like full-on yeah, right. got boobs they and all changed at different rates. have periods <laughs> and all that stuff and when we had like gym class where we'd do like rope climbing and trampolining, our uniform for that was like, we had these little blue shorts with white stripes on the side, but they were literally like what in England we'd call knickers. Yeah. Like underwear. It's underwear. It's basically Like what underwear. I had to wear during volleyball. We talked about like the Underwear sports, and then like yeah. a tight t-shirt. And for some girls, you know, quite often, especially when you're about to go through a growth spurt, you'll gain some weight Mm -hmm. and then you'll grow taller or just when your hormones kick in and you start to change shape from like a skinny little stick and set kid to like hips having hips so I remember like some there was one girl who she was beautiful and she had the most I just remember her hair she had the most amazing thick dark hair but sadly for her she just was covered in cellulite Hmm. and I remember her like asking the teacher if she could wear like something different because oh, wow. the little like knickers made her feel super duper uncomfortable. And there was like, yeah. there was no wiggle room. There was no nothing. It was like, you have to do this. So she basically just called in sick. Basically every time there was a sports day, wow, she was sick. And then there were girls that like were wearing these uncomfortably tight shirts or, you know, just, just things that made the kids feel yeah. What made you feel so awkward and self-conscious. And at that time, rather than being able to, like, do some cool sport, which is good for you. Right. You Everyone start to make an association yeah. that, like, this is a time. Like, sport equals a time where I've got to feel really uncomfortable. I've got to wear this thing that exposes my body in a way that I don't like. And that's, like, that is so sad. No, yeah. I just remember that. Well, like, yeah, because you think really back, sad. you're like, wow, that those kids just missed out on, like, you know, what should have been a very fun time to be active. And 
So the yeah. next the next one on the oh. list, I think we can we can all attest to this at some point. Feeling oh, wow. fat, Feeling a somatic fat. sensation that you are carrying more fat that you than what you actually hold in reality, irrespective of actual body mass. And for sure, like there's been times where I've felt, you know, I've referred to myself as feeling disgusting. And then I'll see myself in pictures and I'm like, yeah, why, why did I feel that way? Like that's, where does that come from? And it's just so sad that I would say 100% of certainly the females I know will say that at some point they feel fat. And I think mm-hmm. that for you know for some some of it when it comes to females and I can only speak to females because that's what I am can be related to hormones because we definitely all yeah. at certain times of the month have hormonal shifts that just leave you feeling shitty about everything everything <laughs> and you'll get water retention which just makes you feel yeah heavier and yeah. just sluggish but I, you know that's one that is like really sad that Yeah, I do think this one's interesting because it's like a somatic sensation, right? So it's not just like your brain thinking you're disgusting or something. It's actually like describing like a feeling of walking around and thinking like I am heavier. Um, And I spend a lot of time. Yeah, I can. I can. I spend a lot of time with my clients talking about the difference between feelings and like reality. Right. Thoughts and yeah. And, yeah. like, I always try and check in with myself if, if I wake up one day and I just feel, I mean, if I feel off in any way, but, like, particularly if I'm feeling just, like, like it says, feeling fat, I really try and step out and take that 30,000 foot view and be like, yeah. all right, why? Why why am I feeling this way? Where is this feeling coming from? What is the rational reason behind this sudden feeling? Because, obviously, I didn't go to bed one day like I am and wake up the next day in an entirely different body. Right. Yeah, it doesn't happen that way. And it's really hard to like be able to get yourself to a place where you can take that pause and you can respond to that feeling rather than react to it and take it as like, oh my God, it must be true because it's not true. Yeah. I mean, this one, so this is interesting. This one, I like, I mean, I want to, I mean, all of these, obviously I want to like reframe into like, what is the positive, like, or the way of getting away for these. And like, this one makes me think of, you know, one of, the favorite ways I've like heard someone describe like encouraging someone to get strong or like, right. Like invest in, in strength training and stuff, especially as a woman is this line of like my, my sincerest wish for like other women is to have the experience of being strong and realizing it's the same feeling that we think skinny will give us. Mm-hmm. Like walking around in a strong body, the kind of confidence that I experience coming with that is exactly pr- the same as that confidence that when I was in different places in my life and I looked at the, you know, pictures of supermodels or something, I'm like, that's the way they must feel all the time, walking around so confidently. And that probably confidence, not. well, well, of course, now we know probably not, right? Like there, there's all kinds of misery probably that, they, you know, we're all dealing with kind of behind the scenes. But being strong is what I definitely can identify in my own life has given me the kind of confidence that I thought being skinny would give me. Oh, yeah. I remember when one of the guys I used to say with described me as having a back like an aircraft carrier. 
and right? everybody in the yes. room was like, was like oh, oh she's and gonna I was be like, horrified but it's like that's that cool. was awesome and I yeah. honestly find knowing how I felt because I I too thought like the skinnier I get the thinner I get the more beautiful I'll be and the better my life that. will yep. be and it's the exact opposite yeah um and now I find myself like if I go out People, I, I went to um, a party on Saturday evening where I haven't seen people for a year, so for some people. Yeah. And, you know, those are always fascinating because you get a to, lot of people like, like everybody stuff, like, like comments on comment. the arms and all the rest of it. And I'm like, I love it. I agree. I, this yeah. is great. But I, did, I just remember thinking like that feeling of like, oh, yeah, thinner, thinner, thinner. That means it's going to. I'm going to feel thinner is better. I'm so. going to feel more confident. Yeah. And now it's actually the exact opposite. And I find myself looking at people who are appear to be underweight or mm-hmm. certainly very, very, very lean to the point where I'm like, mm, I'm not yeah. sure that's healthy. And I feel sorry for them. And I want to ask them if they're okay. Yeah. And I want to show them like, what is it like to the walk other end of the scale yeah. is is such a better place to be. And obviously that's a tough one to do because you can't just walk into some, walk up to someone and be like, hey, if you were to like <laughs> yeah. beef up a bit, about, are you, are you life happy? Because uh, you never thin. know. You never know what someone's going <laughs> right. on. Like, and they can yeah. have a sickness, illness, Absolutely. whatever. I mean, I've definitely known very, you know, slim people who would love to gain weight, right? Like there's there's always going to be a case where, so yeah, you do, please, please don't go out and just start asking random people. You would be happier. Are you, you happy in the pounds. body that you have? It looks small to me. Like, yeah. Um, but I mean, that. so that's like, so the next one I think is sort of similar, um, maybe where it comes from. So our brain's tricking us into feeling fat when, you know, that's not necessarily the case. The next one is fear of weight gain. So that's an irrational, illogical and harmful fear that you're gaining weight, which is fascinating, right? Like there's no connection to like doing anything differently. It's just like, apparently this is, you're just kind of walking around afraid that you're gaining weight as time goes by. And I mean, it's, it's a hard one to turn off and, you know, it's a hard one to deny because at some point in life, the reality is that that likely will happen. You know, for us as females, yeah. in the next 10 years, as we go through a change in life, there's a very good chance we will gain weight. Yep. And out the other side, Give as we get... Give us a few years, this podcast is going to be all about menopause. <laughs> <laughs> as we get things that happen. out the other side of that and then get older and older and older, there's a good chance that we're going to start to lose weight again. Right. You know, in different periods of yeah. life, you will be heavier and you will be lighter. And, you know, we know from day to day and week to week and month to month that your weight will fluctuate for different reasons. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I would say if you are walking around and you literally just are consumed by this fear of, yeah. of weight gain, that is a very big red flag to go and seek something like true therapy. That is not right. go see yeah. a nutrition coach to help you out. That is way beyond the scope of work of a nutrition right. coach. That is like, go and see some true real therapist who specializes in this because there's probably a lot more to the cause. Like this is not yeah. necessarily or even likely at all to be connected to weight and food and eating and all the rest of it, it probably comes from a much, much sort of deeper, darker place. Yeah. Um, but that is a big red flag. And I, 
I think, you know, the one prior to that, too, was like feeling fat irrespective of actual body mass. So like feeling a certain way, even though if evidence says actually you weigh this or like and I think that the, the fear part, like you said, the reason it's like therapy level, not just awareness level is because it's irrational and illogical. Right. Mm-hmm. Like so, um, I mean, I definitely back in 2020, we've talked about this before, like early in the pandemic, like I was concerned about weight gain. But for a very logical reason, right? Like I was at a very unhealthy, very high stress time. I was drinking too much. I was eating poorly. Um, And those realities were sort of manifesting in I was also gaining weight and I could tell, right? Like that is a logical awareness. Um, This is definitely, yeah, like the fear of weight gain is most harmful when it's irrational and like, you know, again, not probably based on any reality of your actual body. I mean, we kind of just touched on this. The next one on their list is thin ideal internalization. Buying into the belief that being Mm. thin will make you happy, popular, or successful. And I can only tell you that to a point when you're on that weight loss journey, while you're still technically quote-unquote healthy, yeah, you feel great when you... Who doesn't feel great when they lose a couple of pounds and they feel Mm -hmm. that bit lighter and the clothes feel feel a bit better and you got got a little swagger in your walk. But when you tip past that point where you're no longer healthy and we get into like irrational, illogical thoughts and, you know, chasing being thinner and thinner and thinner, it's never enough. And then the thinner you get, the uglier you look. Yeah. Because when half your hair falls out and your cheeks are sunken in, you got big black circles under your eyes and your toes are black and your skin is flaking and you're covered in fine hair. And that's not pretty. Yeah. And yet when you're there, you still believe that being thinner is better. And it that is a horrible hole to fall down. And that's definitely a red flag for therapy. But yeah. take it from somebody who's been there, done that. Being thin... How does that make you happy? Yeah. But I mean, this is also one where I will say, you know, culturally, like we we look at the way we grow up and the people we look up to. And, you know, we've talked through tons of different, you know, examples of ideal body types and pop culture and social media and stuff like that. Like this thin ideal internalization is in all of us if we have grown up like probably like in this Western world, right? I mean, this is so cultural because we are shown constantly that popular, successful people have a certain kind of body type, right? Um, And I do want to say that thin is all relative, right? Yeah. Because, you know, you can't sort of declare, like, if I weigh 100 pounds, then I'm going to look unhealthy thin. thin. Yeah. There's plenty of people that I know whose normal, natural, healthy body weight Mm -hmm is a hundred pounds. Right. Yeah. Um, and there yeah. are all sorts of different sizes of people in the world, just like being a bigger bodied person, you can be perfectly healthy and good. You can yeah. be a thin person with a rip roaring metabolism and be perfectly healthy and a hard gainer and, and all the rest of it. But if this whole idea is like, if, if you're striving to just be constantly thinner in the pursuit of happiness or being popular or being successful, you might get more attention, but it's not going to be for the right reason yeah. it's not going to be for yeah. the reasons that you hope yeah it's going to be pity and concern so yeah if you are feeling like that is 
something you're experiencing again that is like mm-hmm. professional help therapist that is not get yourself a nutrition coach and count right. some macros yeah. that is way beyond things the that of work. might actually reinforce some of that because i think right i mean you the way you described it is like that internalization you when you're on that journey you were saying you you do actually think you're moving in the right direction like the smaller you, you're like and we've talked about this i think before in some of the podcasts where we've talked about like plastic surgery, mm-hmm. that there's this, there's this thing where you look in the mirror. So I feel like I should just read, read the next one Great because segue. like as you're describing this, this is very tied in with the next definition, which is body dysmorphia. So a body image disorder characterized by the obsessive idea that some aspect of one's own body is profoundly flawed and hence warrants behaviors designed to hide or fix these perceived flaws. Um, so I think, yeah, I mean, past podcasts, we've talked about people who go down a very long road of plastic surgery and, and genuinely believe when they look in the mirror that they look prettier, they look younger, they look better. And sometimes from the outside perspective, they look like they've, you know, they look like an alien or like, right. I mean, they've gone so far down a road. Um, but I mean, dysmorphia really is. And it's important here to call out, like, right, this is a body image disorder. Like, this is a medically diagnosable kind of condition because it really is um, amazing, right? To, like, your brain sees something a certain way when, like, all objective evidence is telling you something different. And, you know, to an extent, like, I hold up my hand and I have it. You know, like, not in a kind of crazy... I mean, I, I've always wondered, like, if I was, if I had millions of dollars sitting around, mm-hmm. what what would happen in terms of like plastic surgery yeah. and changes? And You'd stuff. have a knee lift, and <laughs> I <laughs> I'd pay money for I a knee feel lift, like until your knees were all stretched out and glossy and the skin was see through, and I'd have to have an intervention about <laughs> your knees being the one too thing, much. The one thing lifted. I know that I'm not going to ever do is stop pumping up my lips because that's just that looks. Well, wrong. yeah, we, we tested that, that accidentally. One. So, um, but I'd say like <laughs> my body dysmorphia shows up and like that I now see myself, and I probably always have, but like I see myself as like a kind of. And this is going to be completely contradictory to me calling myself not strong and shrimpy. Yeah. But like, I I think of myself as sort of like fairly statuesque now compared to what I was, which is, it's true. But then when I see myself like in group shots in the gym Mm -hmm. and I'm like, oh, oh no, 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 I'm not like this big strong person. I'm like one of the small, smaller people. Okay, yep. cool. So, like, I know for sure that on any given day that what I see in the mirror is not the truth. Yeah. And some days it will be closer to the truth than others. And I'm now in a place where I'm not going to go, ah, I need to stop eating or I need to eat all the food or I need to go and immediately get some liposuction or whatever it is. Like, yeah. sometimes I have crazy runaway thoughts. And, like, if I had tons of disposable income to just go spend on plastic surgery, I'm fairly sure... I would have run off to be like, you need to suck this out. You need to tighten this bit up. um, And I'll probably live with that forever. But I feel like I'm not in a place where I'm going to like Mm -hmm. act on it. I might think that thought and then I can be like, hang on. But I I do follow somebody who, um, they're not a friend. They're like an acquaintance, somebody I met a while ago and doesn't live where we live now. But they have, you know, have had some work done 
And at the time when I met them, like it's mostly like kind of the boobs that you notice because they're ah, very yeah. oversized. <laughs> but there was obviously had been some tweaks in other areas. and But, you know, they looked looked pretty good. Yeah. And now as years have gone past, more and more tweaks have been made and like more and more filler has gone. And just recently I saw pictures and I was like, now you've gotten to that point where it stopped being um, like it stopped making you look younger, better, more yeah. vibrant, whatever yeah. it was. And now you're tipping into that kind of and you kind of look like an alien. Yeah. I mean, we, you know, I think obviously the world of celebrities that is the world that creates a lot of these cultural like reasons why we believe these things is also gives us plenty of examples of people who, um, yeah, we watch these transformations publicly. And yeah, sometimes they're just they're strange. Um, but I do think it's important what, what you said a little bit ago of like recognizing that like we all have a little bit of this, mm-hmm. right? And it's not oh, yeah. necessarily like it doesn't have to go down this crazy road of being super, super negative, right? Like we we all have moments where our brain's going to try to tell us something different and like the awareness to just say like, hold on a second, like this doesn't make sense. And I feel it like with having done nutrition coaching for a while and um knowing objectively because of things like the progress photos and some of the stuff like knowing that my body has changed but when I wake up and I walk into the bathroom and I see myself in the mirror I see my body in like almost the exact same way like 12 months ago me and like yesterday me um still pinch the same part of my belly right like it's probably a different size than it was 12 months ago. But like, even if it's not, it, that's not the point. Like that is what my brain still does when I look in the mirror is to immediately assume that little piece is like too big or shouldn't be there. And I've done that at 165 pounds. I have done that looking in the mirror when I am 148 pounds, right? Like, I, so I have objective data that like my body is different a different size and yet my brain wants me to do the same thing and like so that's like a small thing of dysmorphia where it's like okay like that is not reality but it's also just something I can be aware of and then kind of move on from or just think about (laughs) what I find interesting is that I can see like the top half of my body which I'm sort of fairly happy with and be like oh okay cool sweet good job and then I see the bottom half, which is where I feel like all the problems are, problem areas are. But I see that like almost in a kind of cartoon way where this is, it's like, <laughs> cartoon I'm not Anna. able to see what's really there and be like, yeah. sure, it's not as tuned as tuned, the top half. statuesque. <laughs> but I see it as like way, way worse than mm-hmm. it likely actually is. And rather than being able to go... Oh, but the top half is great. I'm happy with that. Cool. We're going to roll with that. It's always like the negative part that yeah. has the dominant yeah. kind of the control. Yeah. And I'm just like, go away. Stop yeah. it. <laughs> That's the dysmorphia part. It's like, why can't we look in the mirror and just obsess about even the few things? If it's only a couple things, be like, every day I'm just going to like obsess over how awesome that part looks. I'm going to, let's try than, it. Right? I mean, let's experiment. For affirmations in the mirror. Find like, the bit you love it. and stand there and be like, heck yeah. Yeah. Like, instead that. of pinching a part you don't like, like, flex the bit you do. Give, give a little <laughs> high five or a little pinch or a flex to the one you do like. <laughs> So the last thing on their list, muscle dysmorphia. This was a new one for me. I'm not going to lie. A body image disorder that centrally comprises a core belief 
and fear around being of insufficient muscularity and a simultaneous drive for muscularity. And a lot of their statistics, um, which we won't have time to get into those, but under like the men's kind of statistics okay, that, that are based around probably more, yeah. the need for like steroid use and... Ah, got it. Okay. Pumping up. And, you know, I I know of a few guys um, that have been friends in different sort of areas of life mm-hmm. who are those kind of skinnier guys, hard gainers, can eat all day, every day, and, and not, they're yeah. just never going to be bulky. And it's tough. It's really tough. That would be a fascinating, like, like guest to have on or something is talk to someone. Because, like, you're right. Like, I, I, that makes more sense how I can imagine this more in, like, bodybuilders right like where i've heard i feel like some you know seen some posts on social media or something where it's like these are people who objectively we would look at them and be like they are so muscular and they look in the mirror and think i am not big enough like yeah. that muscle's not big enough they like and that's where you see like yeah. the crazy end of the spectrum where like these bodybuilders are injecting stuff oh my into God. them like one like, guy who's like bicep exploded right like, exactly oh. it's like the kind of okay so that is an interesting one that i mean i'm and i'm sure there are women and females out there right who have mus- muscle dysmorphia as well but this is a i guess that is a lot, uh, yeah. statistic use your words hannah that <laughs> i'm gonna say right now because it's about canadian adolescents right 11 percent of women 25 percent of men and 18 percent of gender diverse canadian adolescents reported clinical risk of muscle dysmorphia okay there you go we have a statistic so it's n- not just men but it is maybe double 1.6% of young adults report using androgenic anabolic steroids as a means to modify their appearance. That is luckily a very small percentage. Here but... is a, a thing when we talked about, about chasing extremes and it not making you happy. Adults who use anabolic steroids for body image purposes are three to four times more likely to experience depression and anxiety than those who don't use steroids. Oh, interesting. So even if they kind of start from the same place of wanting their body to be different, using interventions like steroids make the dissatisfaction worse. 25% Mm. of male children and adolescents were concerned about their muscularity and leanness by expressing a greater desire for toned and defined muscles. Just picking out random facts here. There's one, uh, let's see. Ooh. In 15,624 American high school students, 30% of males reported a desire to gain weight for muscularity purposes. So there's a great, you can see like in the male population, a great drive to appear to be muscular. Yeah. Although interestingly, I mean, I look at these statistics and I'm like, but that means 70% didn't care. Like... Right, like had no desire to gain weight for muscle purposes. I want to ask them. Right, I mean, these I, people are like, do you want to be? Yeah, muscular, because you want to be strong. Right, or do you want to be muscular look, just purely aesthetically? All yeah. show, no go. Because right, I mean, that's like we talk about that with CrossFit a lot. Like how there are bodies that can do the same things that look very different, mm-hmm. and if you're just concerned about the things you can do. Hopefully you get to a point where it doesn't matter the the aesthetics of it, but we're we're very tied to aesthetics. 
So in contrast, looking at some of the statistics for women, children, this is about children and teenagers. Research has shown that around 50% of young 13-year-old American girls reported being unhappy with their body. This number grew to nearly 80% by the time the girls reached 17 years of age. Yep. Nearly 80% of young teenage girls report fears of becoming fat. Yep. I mean, this sadly does not surprise me at all. Um, I mean, I feel like I've heard variations of these statistics over and over and over again, and it's like scary because it gets younger and younger. Um, And I mean... Again, I always have follow-up questions for data. Like, I'd want to know, I'd love to see how this has changed since, like, the advent of social media and, like, so much screen time. And um, I know there, you know, there are some statistics in this article as well about children's television shows and, like, mm-hmm. how certain characters are are underweight and overweight characters are often, like, bad or or you know just portrayed not as like the characters you want to be and i feel like this is has i'm sure is only worse because of how much like media and screen time and stuff like young women for the final for the final kind of fact that i wanted to bring out just because the the movie came out recently and i have seen it and i did love it um apparently Simply viewing a Barbie doll has been shown to reduce body esteem and increase a desire for thinness in girls aged five to eight years old. Yep. Barbie, you've got a lot to answer for. I mean, <laughs> I have not seen the movie yet, so uh, I do. I feel like we need to revisit that movie after I've seen it because I want to I want to revisit some of these topics. But yes, the doll itself, um, I can absolutely believe that. I mean, I grew up playing with Barbies myself. Um, it was... A very long time ago and a long time before this movie when people started recognizing that that body type is absurd. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but that makes sense, right? I mean, I mean, Barbie made us think that our feet never were flat on the ground. Well, there is right? actually a scene I mean, there's where a scene in the movie, she takes her I think, shoes she's off like, and her feet are like high. Right, and then and it's when like her horrifying. Feet, when yeah. her feet go flat, it's That's horrific. Something's wrong, yeah. Um, I mean, it is. It's, you know, and I'm sure... Barbie is not alone in this, right? I mean, the I the, the one for me, I'll, I'll here's here's a parallel to a movie I have seen and it's one of your absolute favorites, but what I remember um as a kid more so than Barbie was The Little Mermaid. Oh. And when I look back at that now, right? Like Ursula, the sea witch mm-hmm. is is a large-bodied woman, right? Like she is fat mm-hmm. like by by most standards. Um, and she is portrayed in a way that, like, emphasizes her body size. Like, she, like, dances and sort of jiggles around in some of the musical numbers. And, and yet, she's the evil one. And she's the evil one, right? Like, she is horrible. And what, you know, she takes all these beautiful, thin uh, mer people and, like, collects them. And, right, like, even the way she um, sings about, like, looking at these beautiful people and clearly is jealous and hates it and, and wants to, like, possess them, right? So, um, I think of, like, Disney movies in terms of setting up for me as, like, a kid, like, thin, thin bodies are beautiful and those are, like, the people you're supposed to want to be, like, and then the bad people, I mean, this is not across the, like, the, the Snow White evil queen is even thinner than Snow White herself, actually. Snow White was probably the most, like, 
normal sized um, <laughs> Disney princess. We can do a whole. We should do a whole podcast Ooh, on Disney princesses and body body image things in Disney movies. But um, but yeah, I definitely think of that when I think of like Ursula the Sea Witch, and okay. that reinforced for me that like fat was bad. Well, on that note, um, so hopefully takeaways from this podcast that we all have our little issues, some fleeting, some lifelong struggles, um, but there's definitely in there the red flag moments and items and feelings Mm -hmm. and thoughts. And if, you know, I'm sure everybody, male, female, old, young, whatever, listening to this at some point went, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, 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 yeah that's me. felt that, felt that, most yep. of the list, yep. And and I don't think that, you know, if you've listened to this and almost everything on the list, as we have, you can identify with, that doesn't mean you're a train wreck and you should just give up right. on yourself. You're just like, <laughs> like everybody else. Um, and, you know, if you can, if you're able to be rational about it and sort of take that 30,000 foot view and be like, okay how I'm feeling today is because I've had shitty sleep and I'm tired and my emotions are just shot or I haven't eaten well so I'm hungry and I'm feeling off or you know try and find the rational reason yeah and if you cannot find a rational reason or you're just constantly feeling down or you look in the mirror and you're seeing something you know if you're seeing somebody who is a large-bodied human and you're wearing size two clothing there's obviously something wrong there. Um, and you really should get help. Yeah. Talk about it. Because I never did. And it took a lifetime. It's continuous yeah, it's work going. to get past it. So you should go talk to somebody. It's it's all too prevalent. And it's like the further you get into it, the harder it is to undo. But I'm also living proof that you can and you can turn it around and yeah. you can build yourself a strong body and there's always going to be bits of it that you hold on to and you squeeze and you wish yep. weren't there or you <laughs> wish were a bit smoother or the skin tone was a little different or whatever it is because that's just how we are but yeah rational thought is yep. an important part of like the distinction between okay i'm just having one of those days and like this needs to this needs some attention. Yeah. Keep being curious with yourself. We, I think that comes up a lot when we talk about this is curiosity and like just digging in with why we're thinking things, why we're feeling things is the first step. As ever, thank you so much for listening. Please share this if you enjoyed it. Leave us a review and we will talk to you next time.